Has your teenager ever snuck out in the middle of the night? Mine sure did, at least two or three times that I'm aware of. The first time, I walked into his room in the middle of the night for some reason, and I saw a note lying on his bed. It said something like, If you find this, don't worry, I'm safe. I just went down the street to see Jessica, or whoever it was at the time. I'll be back soon. This sweet little note left on his bed in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, it didn't make me feel any better, for sure. I found him about a block over, really just sitting on the sidewalk, talking to a friend. By the third time, I took a handful of nails and nailed his window shut. Not for very long. I took them out. Don't worry. This is Speaking of Teens, the podcast that helps parents who are struggling to find peace and connection with their teens. My name is Ann Coleman. I'm an attorney turned parent educator and a mom who's been there. And I'm on a mission to help you build a stronger relationship and decrease the conflict with your kid so you can help them grow into the young adult they're meant to be. And today I'm going to be talking to you about, obviously, when your kid sneaks out of the house in the middle of the night, when they try to slip one over on you, and it probably will happen. First of all, let me tell you, did you know that there's a wiki on how to sneak out of your house? Oh yes, there is. I actually googled, how do I sneak out of my house? And you would not believe what all I found. This wiki is complete with those lovely 1950-ish illustrations like Dick and Jane. Here are the parts of the article. Thinking ahead, preparing for your escape, doing the deed. No, not that deed. Apparently, this was written by a teenager, but they're talking about sneaking out of the house. And it ends with tips and warnings. There's also a lot of answers on Quora about how to sneak out of the house without being caught. I'm sure there's plenty on Reddit, Snapchat, and all over the place. This is a universal quest for many, many teenagers. So why is sneaking out such an issue with teenagers? It seems most kids try it at least once. So what's really going on here? First, this all goes back to neurobiology. Remember that the adolescent brain's reward center is supercharged, like a race car, like an Audi R8 with a Lambo engine. I'm a boy mom, so I know these things. This reward system is more revved up than it ever was in childhood and more than it will ever be as an adult. Right now, everything is more thrilling, more exhilarating. Once they do it, then their brain tells them, do that again. Wow. And when they're with friends, that reward system sends them into dopamine overdrive because this adolescent brain is meant to help them bond with friends outside of the family. So they have a tribe to support them so they can find a mate, all that stuff that they have to eventually do as an adult. It's simply how their brain works. They'll do things around their friends that they'd never considered doing alone. They do know better when they're not in the heat of the moment. It's just neurobiology. Of course, at the same time, their prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that controls executive functions like making good decisions and using self-control, It's really weak during adolescence. It's rewiring and finishing up all the programming that it's doing. And it isn't fully developed. It's not done until at least their mid-20s. 
or way later. So you have this combo working and telling them to sneak out, do the fun stuff. But that process is triggered because they want to do something that you've either told them they aren't allowed to do, or it's something that they just know you'd never approve of. Other areas of the brain then also jump in here to make sneaking out more of a possibility. During adolescence, in their mind, the concerns you have over their safety, insert eye roll here, please, they're ridiculous. For you to say no to something is just not fair. They feel like an adult. When puberty starts, your kid feels like they have as much common sense and know-how as you do. They feel like they can take care of themselves, make their own decisions. They want their autonomy. They want to be seen and heard and taken seriously. It's a huge deal and something you have to understand as a parent and support as much as possible or you'll get more than just the sneaking out. Go back and listen to episodes 15 and 16 for more on that. So preemptively, if your kids never snuck out before and you want to keep it from happening, what can you do? First, it's really good if you can explain to them how their brain works. Actually, I have a video that I made a while back to explain this very thing to teens, and I'd really forgotten about it, but I'll link to it in the show description so you can share it with them. It's really important for them to get this and realize their limitations and why they feel the way they do. Also, it's critical that you support their autonomy at all times, like I said. And as I've said so many times before, when they reach adolescence, the telling is over. Everything should be a discussion, a negotiation. You're doing lots and lots of listening and so much less talking. That is, if you want to maintain a strong relationship, not argue constantly, and make sure you get their best behavior. You can't be treating them like a child, talking to them like a child, demanding their obedience. Your role is to guide them be their trusted team captain. If your teenager asks to do something that's just not safe in your opinion, you need to first allow them to fully explain what they want to do. Give them the floor and let them talk while you listen. Don't cut them off and say no without hearing them out. That's part of this autonomy support. Then acknowledge their feelings for wanting to do this empathize with them. Gosh, it sounds like fun to go hang out by the river in the middle of nowhere until 1 a.m. with dozens of your friends. I totally get why you'd want to do that. Don't be a smart ass. But then very briefly explain your concerns about it, why you don't believe it's safe. You know, here's why I worry about that and blah, blah, blah. And then it's simply my job to keep you safe. So I have to consider everything. Make sure they know that your goal is keeping them safe. And then you suggest brainstorming a potential compromise. Maybe a few of the friends could come over for pizza instead, or maybe your kid could go out and eat with them first before they go to the river. Or maybe a couple of parents could go with the kids to the river. See if you can work something out. 
It's the solid unilateral nose that will lead to sneaking out the most. When they know you're never willing to listen or negotiate or be flexible, they will not ask. They will just go. It's so important for you to get that. So learning to support their autonomy, it's an art and it's extremely important if you want to prevent sneaking out and other undesirable and unsafe behaviors. Something else that can help here is to make sure that they aren't allowed to have that phone or iPad, laptop, or game console in their bedroom, anything that they can communicate with after bedtime, preferably an hour before bedtime. They should be secured and charging up somewhere else, and so it's not a temptation for them to use that to communicate with someone to arrange a pickup or something like that. And so this could cut down on that planning. And you have to work on your relationship with them, your connection, their secure attachment to you. This is the only influence you have during their teen years. Make sure it's strong. You want them to hear your voice in their head when they're away from home. You want them to think about the values and the morals you've instilled in them. You want them to trust you to call you or text you if they get into trouble even if they've snuck out of the house. But without that strong connection, you will not have that. Supporting their autonomy is one way to maintain that connection. Another way is to decrease the negative interactions you have with them and exponentially increase the positive. Find the small ways you can connect with them every day. A hug, a kiss on the forehead, singing along to a song in the car, acting silly, getting them to show you something or explain something that they're really into. And you have to cut way back on the nagging or the reminding, as we call it, the questions like, how much homework do you have? Have you filled out that form yet? What about that project? When is it due? You know, the, the scolding, the lectures, the yelling. You have to make an effort. You have to show them how much you love them and believe in them and support them every single day. The negative interactions are telling them just the opposite. So here's the big question. What should you do after they've chosen to sneak out? Well, the first thing is to go back over those preemptive measures I just talked about. Talk to them about their brain, work on your autonomy support, work on your connection. And an additional way to work on that connection is to pay attention to how you handle that dreaded sneak out. You may have a strong connection. You may keep all the communication devices out of their room. They may know full well how their brain works. You may support their autonomy in every way you know how but their brain might get the best of them and they might just go for it anyway. And what you do in the moment when you actually see them again, after you've discovered that they've snuck out, is critical. If you've never been one to be able to like maintain your composure and you're not naturally emotionally regulated, I'm raising my hand here, you're going to have your work cut out for you. Because when your kid does something that you feel is truly scary, like sneaking out, your brain likely isn't working its best either. 
you may go right into fight or flight mode and start yelling, lecturing, punishing. But if you can maintain your cool right now, the outcome will be so much better. If you lose it, your teen's going to lose it. And it's all going to go downhill from there. And there's no guarantee they won't lose it once they realize they've been found out. They may defensively strike first. But no matter what happens in this moment, you must remain calm. Don't hover above them or put your hands on your hips. Pretend they're a wild animal caught in a trap that you have to befriend to get out of the trap. I think that's a perfect analogy, really. A wild baby boar in a trap. What's the first thing you would do in that scenario? You'd get down on their level, right? You'd get on the ground. You'd want to make the baby boar feel okay and safe. You'd talk in a soft, calm voice. You might even stroke its head to soothe it, maybe on the back of its head so it won't bite you. But seriously, you go in threatening and waving your arms and that boar's going to rip its leg off to tear into you. So you calmly ask the boar, I mean, your teen, so what happened? And you sit and you wait for a response. You might sit a while. You listen to what they say. And this is where your empathy and your understanding of how their brain works and your acknowledging their feelings all comes into play. You show them that you get it. But then it's your turn. So you tell them what it is about this that concerns you. Why was this dangerous? What could have happened? Why you're concerned that they snuck out and did what they did? Remember, no lectures just your concerns. And there is a difference. And you can tell them what you would have agreed to and what you would have let them do had they come to you first. Tell them you would have happily negotiated something with them, but it wouldn't have been exactly what they've done. Now, at this point, if they're truly contrite and you can tell that they feel bad about what they did, and they even say that they would have agreed to the negotiations there may be no need to even issue consequences. Truly, I'm serious. There are teens where this conversation alone would be enough. But if they don't seem sorry for what they did, don't think they did anything wrong, or if this sneaking out caused major distress for you and others, if someone was put in danger or anything serious happened at all, then you'll likely want to go ahead and issue consequences. But this is a pivotal moment because you do not want to do this unilaterally if you can avoid it. You want to ask them what they think should be done. Brainstorm and try to come up with something together. Of course, if you can't, the final call is yours. This is yet one more way to show them that you're fair-minded and that you trust their input on things even when they've made a huge mistake. And if you must issue consequences, just know that it doesn't have to be right then and there. If tempers flare, or it's three in the morning, or you just can't think straight for any reason, there's no rush. 
do it tomorrow. Usually, if you do this kind of thing in haste, you end up breaking the guidelines on issuing consequences. That's too much to go into right here, but you can go back and listen to episode 22. Generally, consequences should be reasonable in scope, sufficiently related to the behavior, not punitive, in other words. Additionally, you want to make sure that they understand safety is the issue here. This is not about punishment. It's about teaching them how to be safe. Maybe the consequences should be watching a documentary about someone who did something like what they just did and got hurt or got somebody hurt. Maybe they need to stay at home the following weekend. One weekend is usually enough. And maybe they need to have friends at your house instead of going out for that weekend. Here's the thing about consequences. They often just don't work. You know why? Because they just piss your kid off and make them want to do what they want to do even more. Especially if the consequence seems unfair, too long, too big, unnecessary, or not at all related to what they did. For example, grounding them for a month, way out of scope. Taking away their phone for a week, a day or two is enough. And only if they actually planned their escape with the phone. What about surveillance? Aiming a security camera at their window, putting bells on their windows and doors, sleeping in their bedroom floor. Well, then it just becomes a game. How can I escape the evil clutches of the parent units? When you do that, even after you've discussed it with them and they've agreed not to do it again, what are you showing them? You're showing them that you have absolutely no faith in their word. You don't believe them and you know they're going to attempt it again. What good does all of that empathy and acknowledgement and discussion do when you're just going to turn around and treat them like a prisoner? You've agreed on consequences, fair, reasonable, and related consequences. Now stick to it and see what happens. Explain to them they've broken your trust and will have to earn it back. That you may question them more than before because it's going to be really difficult for you to believe them now. That you may be going in and checking on them nightly for a while just to make yourself feel better but that you will trust them again after a little while of them showing you that they can be trusted. Explain to them that you really hope they don't break that trust because you think you've been fair and will absolutely negotiate with them on things that they want to do in the future to avoid their sneaking out. And tell them if they ever feel you're being unfair, you want to know and that you'll do your best to sit down and hash it out with them. Also ask them what they think would be a fair consequence if they do this again. It should be a little more stringent, of course. So agree in advance that if it happens again, we're going to do this and then stick to it. At that point, you may need to discuss more parental monitoring with them. Agree to it up front, though, and then put it in place 
explain that this, again, this is about safety, not punishment. They are not in jail, but they've really now broken that trust and you have to guarantee their safety. Of course, if they're sneaking out to do drugs or drink or anything obviously dangerous like that, it may be time to talk to a professional and see what else is going on here. There could be an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. You can listen to episode seven for help here. But no matter what's going on at all times, make sure your teen knows that you love them and that your primary concern is their safety. Keep showing up and telling them that and focus on your connection by being fair, supporting their autonomy and not punishing them. All right, that's it for speaking of teens today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the show, I would so much appreciate it if you'd give us a five-star rating and write a little review in Apple. It will help potential listeners know the show is worth listening to. And do come join us in the Speaking of Teens Facebook group. The link is right there at the very bottom of the show description in the app where you're listening. Speaking of Teens is produced and edited by my husband, Steve Coleman, researched, written, and hosted by me, Ann Coleman. And today, I'm doing the editing on this show and adding all the music and stuff, so if it sounds screwy, sorry, husband's out of town playing golf. All right, until next time, hang in there.